This is Docs in the Box podcast. A podcast about medicine, muscles, and more through the eyes of two physiatrists. I'm Dr. Amy West. And I'm Dr. Matthew Cowling. All right, so Docs in the Box, here we are, another episode here with Jenna Muri Rosenthal, who has a lot of letters after her last name, but um, she's a speech therapist certified in many, many a thing. Um, also the founder of Fit to Function Recovery. Um, it's a cool rehab slash CrossFit slash just uh, like really cool program that she started in Boston. So, um, so yeah, so welcome to our little podcast here. Okay. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Um, so I guess first off, I guess tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of how you found CrossFit, what you do, and then we'll get into the details of the program and all that. Later. Okay. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm a speech and language pathologist. I'm a brain injury specialist. I spent, I've been in the field uh, almost 13 years now. I spent the first half of that in acute rehab at Spalding, working with brain injury patients. Um, and then I moved over to Mass General to acute care. And uh, about halfway through that, I found CrossFit as kind of a former collegiate athlete and immediately fell in love as, as people do. Um, and sort of through all of my time in rehab, I would take on clients in speech recovery um, for one-on-one after rehab. People would come seeing, saying, you know, my rehabilitation is over or I'm out of the hospital or I'm done with outpatient care and I'm looking for a little bit more. Uh, and I would see folks kind of one-on-one work on like job reintegration and the skills you need for language and cognition to really kind of get back to everyday life. And um, somewhere in there, I thought, you know what, like these folks could really benefit from being in the gym. There's so much that we can do for people with fitness. And so I started bringing clients into the gym and uh, that's where we are now. Yeah, I mean, so I guess to rewind a little bit. Um, so Matt and I are, um, this, sorry, thunder, we'll have to cut that out. Um, <laughs> So Matt and I are familiar with, you know, speech and language, language pathologists because we're, we're both physiatrists. I mean, we, we both worked at Spalding at the same time, um, you and I. But as far as like for the, those people who don't know, like what exactly do speech therapists do beyond just like actual speaking? Yeah. So, you know, I, I often describe it to people. I say we do eating and drinking, talking and thinking. Um, and that runs a really wide range for people. Um, and it's everything from, you know, the control for breathing and moving your mouth to talk and swallow, and also all of the thinking that goes along with talking. So language is part of it. The way we formulate speech is another aspect. But also, I always tell people that, you know, language is thought expressed. So speech therapists also work on cognition. So in order to communicate, you have to be able to kind of Pay, you have to organize your thoughts. You have to pay attention to what you want, the message you want to send. You have to kind of be able to read your audience, remember what people have said, express that information adequately. So speech works on language, but also the, you know, the core tenets of cognition, which are attention, memory, problem solving and reasoning um, and anything that sort of fits under that umbrella. When you went from, so when you went from taking the first patient that you were working with from a clinical setting into the gym, can you talk about that? Like, how did that go? Yeah, um, you know, it went really well. And obviously, it was a little bit of like, oh, let's see if we can make this happen. Um, You know, and I was working 
particularly with a patient who had a major, um, had an aneurysm rupture. He was young, he was in his early 40s, active guy, played soccer, did yoga, all of that. Um, and over a year and a half out of rehab, he had gone from not speaking at all to being able to communicate basic information. Um, but he still walked um, as if one side was, was weak. Um, he had kind of like full intact uh, hip function on testing, but when he walked, he walked like he didn't. And so I kind of thought, what, what could we do with him if we got him in the gym and got him moving in functional ways, functional patterns? came into the gym and he could walk and he could squat to depth and he started doing box jumps and he started lunging and he started doing all these things that he just didn't think that he could do um, anymore that he'd sort of written off and he had a lot of success in that setting and we sort of used the gym to work on his language so to help him remember new words say new things talk about what he'd done for the day kind of describing actions and he started to build cognitive independence from there so he went from needing someone to schedule his sessions and take him to and from to getting his own Uber, getting in the car, getting to the gym, paying for the sessions, getting himself home and then telling his wife all about it. So it was kind of like this big transformation and carryover for him from fitness and language and cognition and just overall independence. Yeah, I mean, so as someone who, you know, you work primarily with the, the speech part of things, the cognition part of things, how did how did it occur to you to use a physical or exercise modality to treat that? Because I would just, you know, the connection between physical therapy and the CrossFit space, I see like a very obvious connection. Um, but taking that one step further and moving that into the cognitive realm, how did, how did that sort of come to you? I think, you know, I, I started sort of researching and reading a lot. I mean, we, there's a lot of evidence out there, right, that fitness is good for us on so many levels. Um, there's so much research in terms of how it's good for supporting mental health um, and taking it a step further. There's there's sort of evidence out there that essentially fitness primes the brain for new learning. So I started reading a lot about that. And I just thought, you know, this is a place where people really get, um, you know, you get your uh, all types of um, neurotransmitters firing and your mood improves and your endurance and just kind of your general motivation and thought, well, that's a really good way to spark people to want to work on things that are really hard, like thinking, remembering new things and problem solving and, and language. When words are hard, it's hard to want to work on it. So it, it was really just kind of a blend of the two things that I'd seen benefit from. I knew that fitness had such global impacts on people. And I knew that there had to be ways that we could kind of take what the science um, of fitness, what it does for your brain and kind of harness that and focus on better new learning to kind of prime the brain to, to take on better language recovery as well as better memory and attention and all of those. And how did you go about sort of getting people to agree to want to participate in like a CrossFit gym people who hadn't done it before? Like how, how did you... Um, how did you get people to want to do that? You know, a lot of people who are sort of post-stroke or post-brain injury are in this place in their general recovery. They have lost a lot of their community. They've lost their ability to work. They've maybe lost their sort of social outlets. And a lot of these folks don't do very much anymore. And it's, you know, I always describe it as sort of like rehab says, well, are you good enough? Like you can walk and you can talk little bit now go home and then these folks go home and 
they don't have anything to do. They don't really have, because they feel like they can't return to what was their normal life, they, there's a difficult, it's difficult for folks to move on and do more. And so it wasn't that difficult to say, hey, let's try something different, particularly for people who thought, people who used to be active and, and they feel like sports are never something they can return to or being an independent gym goer is just not for them because of their limitations from their disability. So just saying, hey, like I have this thing, let's try it. Let's get, see if we can get you moving better. And while you're moving better, we'll work on thinking better. And, and people have been really positive about, the, about it, really interested and have had such good experiences so far. And are you bringing, so would you bring like one person at a time and do like a PT sort of thing? Or were you actually bringing people to classes and were other coaches coaching them? Or what was, what's the setup? The setup for my practice is the, it starts with one-to-one kind of a movement assessment and guess, you know, what you need for language and cognition as well. My goal for all of the clients is that one day they can integrate into a class. Now that ends up not being for everyone. And I think that's true across all individuals. Some folks prefer personal training, but you know, you know, in, in terms of thinking about inclusion, my hope is that they can work with me kind of on ramp, get familiar with the movements and that any coach could then modify, you know, for that athlete to be able to get into a regular class. It hasn't quite gotten there yet for most individuals, though I have had clients come in and work together in small groups. And it's been really great because a lot of my the survivors are come together and forming sort of their own community within the CrossFit gym space. And so you, you started coaching at Invictus Boston, former CrossFit Fenway Back Bay. It was my original yeah. gyms. <laughs> but, um, and so we're... Did, did you bring this idea to them? Were they like, did you get any pushback from anybody? Like what was the, what was the, the process in sort of getting this going? So at the beginning, actually, um, I had the fortunate encounter to meet Spencer, Spencer Hendel. And I reached out to him and said, you know, this is something I've wanted to do for a while. I'm wondering if I can come pick your brain. And this was pre-pandemic and I went and I told him my idea and he said, great, let's do it. And it quickly turned into he and I doing it together. And we started to sort of build this practice uh, and then COVID shut everything down. And in the time since sort of things starting to reopen, I started working at Invictus. I brought the idea to them and they said, we think this is great. Their space happens to be very handicap accessible. Um, which is nice. And, and their model is sort of inclusion fitness for all. So they're just very, whatever you need, do it here, bring it here. And we've been in talks of how can we get some of these athletes into the everyday classes? So it's like I said, that is always going to be a goal. What are some of the biggest challenges you've faced since starting, particularly like with these, this patient population? I think in terms of bringing in clients, I think there's been much greater buy-in from within the CrossFit community than from without. Um, there's a lot more pushback coming from medicine in general. People don't really see the gym as a, as a place, unfortunately, for a lot of these individuals. So I think just kind of finding ways to represent to the world at large that this is a positive thing for people and that they're having success was one of the um, initial challenges. Um, I think in general, accessibility and affordability is a problem because most survivors are at a place where they're not working anymore. And so I've been trying to find creative ways to make this accessible and affordable to the people who need it most. I would say those are the biggest challenges. 
Yeah, it would be nice if we got some data from gyms, right? Just showing how much this can work to get some insurance backing for it. Because I totally agree with you. I mean, there has it's, it's clear that you can build and lay down new neural pathways and learn these movements. And they have so much carryover to them doing their ADLs and everything. And it, I think it really accelerates the healing process. And so it's just a matter of how do we clinically prove that, right? So I think there are so many things that we know that insurance measures. And in general, that is how uh, things like length of stay and rehabilitation are dictated and how many visits you get. But there are all of the things that are uh, more difficult to quantify and qualify in terms of you know, measures like quality of life and uh, general happiness and functional independence and things that clients get out of being empowered to do things like return to the gym and, and take into their everyday life. And so I think figuring out ways to sort of prove its worth to um, in the measurable that, you know, standard medical care cares about, I guess. Yeah, I think there's a, an interesting point that you, you brought up before, but this kind of like post rehab space where a lot of people are like, they're functional enough to like get themselves to the bathroom, but they're not really going beyond that or they don't really have this, the the endurance or the fitness to do much beyond that. And then that predisposes them to all other types of medical problems. So um, the gym and, and CrossFit gym certainly is kind of, all right, how's the, how's people have the ability to, to extend, extend the, the rehab practice, if you will, beyond that. So um, have you been uh, doing any research with your clients at all or collecting any data? with the clients that you have? The, the data that, I mean, it's pretty informal at this point, I think because, partly because of sort of the shutdown with COVID and then starting again. And, and one thing that I'm finding is the client, we know this, right? But uh, every survivor is so very different um, from the other. And so, you know, I'm, I'm collecting data in the same way that CrossFit collected, just what is the measure of your fitness? Have you gotten stronger? Have you gotten faster? Have you any of those kind of general physical preparedness skills? And so for each client, I'm tracking data just like if they were your class gym goer. Um, and for those where it is worthwhile, I'm tracking their language recovery as well. Um, but I don't think I have enough data points yet, um, unfortunately, to kind of take it bigger than that. But that, that would be the goal eventually, because I really do think it, there's a lot of benefit and, and finding ways to really prove its worth uh, will be important as we grow, as we continue to grow, I should say. I'm going to call out Spalding a little bit on this one because they have, uh, so I mean, as a resident, I mean, we had a lot of access to like uh, adaptive sports and that program has certainly been built up quite a bit, but this idea of like adaptive fitness is still kind of absent from what a lot of people associate with that. So it's like, yeah, it's great that you can have people in a boat and like sailing or like adaptive basketball wheelchair. Oh, it's really great. But if they're not fit enough to like get themselves into the boat <laughs> or they, you know, they cannot push a wheelchair or they, you know, um, you know, those experiences are pretty limited with the, you know, with, like, with the benefits that they can have, especially like, are you saying like this, the client that you had, like even just getting to the gym was a problem. And then by, exercising he was able to gain the skills to do that and it's like that key piece is what's sort of missing from the overall like adaptive sport thing We're like yeah. missing that really key piece of it right yeah i totally um, agree uh so as far as like 
do you do you right now are you working is it just you or do you have like other people that help you out while you're coaching uh right now it's me and one of the other coaches Evan Victus who's also a physical therapist um who's taking on some of the clients for me um and that's one of the things I'm, I'm looking for continued ways to grow and I've been in touch with um some folks on the CrossFit side and some folks folks at um, Adaptive Training Academy and just talking about what are better ways to grow. Because in general, at this point, I'm getting inquiries from people all over um, the US and outside. And people just say, oh, do you know anyone in my area? And so we've been trying to find a way, like, how do you build a better network? Because you don't want to send like a stroke survivor to just any gym. I mean, I can go on the internet and say like, oh, there's this CrossFit in your town, but you want to make sure people, you know, have the right tools and training and the sort of right mentality and, and creativity to kind of work with these folks. So uh, figuring out how to provide access to people um, is definitely been part of the, the ongoing growth plan. Um, yeah. And I wanted to say too, kind of Amy, going back to your point, you're talking about the adaptive um, sports program and how cool it is to have access for things like that. You know, the, the lessons that I sort of, the way I, I talk about this with people and with clients as we talk, we bring it back to that, the tenets of functional fitness. And when people start to hear that, like the way that we're moving here has translational properties, they're like, oh yeah, you know, you say like, well, what's a burpee? It's getting up off the ground and you fall. And they're like, oh yeah. And, and a lot of these folks, since their stroke, have never tried to do something that they don't think they can do. Like they don't get down to the floor because it's difficult. And so they've not had to work through that scenario of like, well, if I fell, how might I get up? Um, and so things like taking beyond just sport and fitness to say, how can we help you move better for your everyday life? Like a deadlift picking up objects off the ground and things like that. Um, and that's been the most powerful and it sort of fits right into that. This would also help you kind of carry through if you wanted to do sport in addition to just fitness. Yeah, these are great points. I really, it's interesting because the Adaptive Training Academy is great. And I think having these adaptive divisions in CrossFit this year is going to do a lot for people in terms of recognizing. I mean, have you guys seen that video of that CrossFit athlete that's went viral with the leg prosthesis who missed the clean and jerk and then got it? That yeah. video is insane. And I mean, I've seen it everywhere. Like people who don't even know what CrossFit is are like reposting it. And it's like, <laughs> Things like that are going to, you know, have a wide reach and people are going to start saying, oh, wait, I can do this. And sometimes it's not as obvious with people that have had like a traumatic brain injury and stuff like that because you physically can't look at them and see it. Um, and a lot of it comes out when they're moving. But to be able to get those people into the gyms in and of itself is a huge task. And this definitely is going to help out. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, I, t I do talk about people, help people a lot, like, right brain injury is referred to as the invisible injury and so for you know it, it's the sort of upper extremity lower extremity where somebody has a prosthesis people are like oh yeah yeah adaptive fitness that's really cool and I can see it and I understand the power behind it and I think the neuro and neuromuscular kind of as a whole is sort of an unseen population and even with the adaptive training academy I think they're so wonderful but they don't, they don't sort of have that neuro focus and I think there's a lot out there that's like hey these are these are just people, they have some sort of neurological injury, but even though they maybe can't communicate the way they used to be, it's, it's still just your everyday person who's looking to improve their life through, through fitness. And so I'm, I'm hoping that like, as the adaptive um, visibility improves, so too does the visibility for stroke and, and brain injury survivors in general. Yeah. Are you, and when you're doing the work with a client that say has, uh, you know, some kind of cognitive impairment, are you, running them through a workout and then doing a separate 
cognitive assessment like before and after, or you, is it like kind of simultaneously as they're doing it? Or like, how do you incorporate the cognitive piece into like a physical exercise? Yeah, so for treating language and cognition in the gym, you know, it, I'll program a, a workout that's four rounds of something with a, a minute or two of rest after each round. And what we'll do is we'll go through a series of acti- a series of things, movements, and then in that minute or two, I'll drill you. I might have given you some words to remember before you started the work at that round, and then I'll ask you if you can remember them, or we'll do some sort of working memory task where I might give you a bunch of words um, and say, okay, now put those in alphabetical order, or do something numerical, or do something with reasoning. And the same applies for language, where we might run through two rounds of, of some sort of workout, and then I'll have you name a bunch of objects or tell me a bunch of items in a category or describe a picture. Um, and then we get right back to a fitness and we kind of use the, once you get moving and adrenaline starts flowing and people are sort of a little more primed, they tend to have a better response, um, better, better language output, um, quicker response time with memory and things like that. That's pretty cool. Um, do you Do you find that the, the patients kind of enjoy having that physical piece? Cause I would, or that, uh, uh, maybe I should refer to that. Do you find that, that, do you get pushback from like your colleagues who don't, who, who aren't, you know, people who are in the gym, who like when they find out you're doing both of those things at once or like, you can't do that or you shouldn't do that. Any like, any like pushback to that idea? Um, I haven't had any oddly. I mean, for the most part, people look at it and they're like, I have no idea what you're doing, but that looks really cool. I mean, I don't think most people outside of our realm in general, most people don't even know what speech therapy is. Um, so, uh, you know, at least the staff that surrounds me at Invictus, which is a pretty big crew of coaches, they're always like, wow, that's really interesting. Um, I think for the clients, sometimes there are some days where it's frustrating, right? But that's what rehab and speech therapy are like. And that's what your experience in the gym is like. Some days you have a good day and other days, everything feels hard. Um, but I also tell folks that it's supposed to be hard, right? Like if it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you. So if, if I'm not there pushing you through things that are difficult to do, then how will you improve from a both a fitness perspective and from a language and cognitive perspective? Do you get pushback from your other like speech therapist colleagues? Like, do they think you're crazy? Um, a little bit, but mostly those who think that CrossFit is crazy, right? They're sort of like, are you like exercising with stroke clients? Like, that's interesting. Um, but there are a handful of folks who I work with and, and one other speech therapist I work with who is, knows nothing about CrossFit, um, but she has come and joined in some sessions, which has been really cool. Um, I think people see the benefit and I've spoken with speech therapists and kind of throughout the Boston, greater Boston community and in general, I think the the message is well received, especially because people are like, oh yeah, that's something great that survivors haven't had an opportunity to do before. Like, let's get them into the gym. Now, obviously this is kind of a new thing that you've been doing. Do you have any plans to, I mean, are you writing any kind of course or any programming or anything so that if somebody wants to replicate this, like you were saying, let's say in a different town, you know, what are, what are the future plans for it? Yeah, I am actually, I'm currently working on sort of a a curriculum or a train the trainer model. Um, Where exactly that is going to land, I'm not sure. I have um, spoken spoken with a few folks um, uh, at HQ and CrossFit just about like, what are the opportunities here with coming back to having preferred courses or just opportunities for trainers to learn. Um, So I have a model that's laid out and debate, you know, talking about training people individually or kind of reaching a greater platform because I would like to get, you know, access to this, like more people access to fitness. 
um, you know, because I always I say to people that what I do has its own specialization because of I'm a speech therapist and a brain injury specialist. But, you know, by and large, everyone can benefit from fitness. So it, you don't have to necessarily have my specialization to help somebody recovering from a neurological injury do great things in fitness. So trying to find ways to, to definitely reach more trainers. In addition to the the clients that you have that are sort of more, I guess, impaired, you do train other, there are other athletes who are sort of more competitive. So uh, what would you say is like the balance between, you know, like people who are basically like just a post rehab versus people who are like a little more on the competitive side of, of, of training? I've had the opportunity to work with um, a couple of athletes that are more kind of uh, in the elite field, one who was at the CrossFit Games in the neuromuscular division and one who is um, competing at the Wheelwad Games. And it, um, it's been a really unique experience because I think there are a lot of things that great coaches do for athletes pursuing sort of elite level fitness. I think that being able to provide some additional information to people about their brain what their brain needs in terms of things like recovery, um, nutrition, rest, the things that movement patterns, things that are specific to, you know, I have two athletes with cerebral palsy. So things that are specific to their spasticity and the way that their body um, moves in terms of coordinating things. I think it's a, been a really, it wasn't exactly the business model that I sort of initially set out with, but it's been an excellent addition to it, being able to kind of use this for survivors all the way up to athletes seeking elite and just using that neuro know-how to help people better their fitness. And if you had, I guess if you had to give advice to somebody who like, say they have somebody who comes into their gym who has had some brain injury and has some impairments, like what would you recommend a, a coach do initially? Like, is it something they should like try to try to tackle you know, on their own? Is there something that, is there like a resource that you would have them look at? I think that the, all of the information put out by the Adaptive Training Academy about how to make modifications um, for various impairments is definitely a good first step. I mean, I think for folks who are still in some level of rehabilitation, even if they still go to outpatient physical therapy, I think any coach reaching out to those therapists is kind of provides a little bit of good background and model, especially if you don't have kind of any medical or rehab experience. Um, you know, and I think for most coaches, it's just remembering that really anything can be modified and scaled if you have a little bit of creativity. And there's a lot of resources out there, uh, mostly through the Adaptive Training Academy in Wheelwad. So even just going on social media and being like, how do you adapt this type of movement, I think is a great first step. There's also uh, plenty of adaptive equipment out there too that I've been noticing. They've really been increasing the amount of stuff and it's really, really cool. Um, and I, you know, it's good to just encourage coaches and stuff. If somebody comes to you um, with an impairment, there's, you can just look up, you know, um, just Google search and you can find uh, equipment so they can do those movements. Yeah, there are so many companies doing great things for that. And I, I kind of like sell them on my Instagram account all the time. because I'm like, if you don't know this is out there, you should. And even things like, um, you know, the, for the ski erg, Equip product sells a wide base. So wheelchair users can ride right up and get close enough to the ski erg. But even just the erg itself, Concept2 sells, there's an attachment so that you can put the handles lower, closer, so that if a wheelchair user wheels up, they can actually reach the handles. And that comes with the standard 
piece of equipment, most people don't know it. They throw it away with the packaging. Um, but there are all these different things. And even, you know, just today I was using a set of split ropes that are meant for seated athletes. And I used just one of those for a stroke survivor who only has use of one arm. And he sat on the box and he was able to get the feel of jump roping. And that's not necessarily what it was designed for, but just like you can modify anything, you can take all of these modified pieces of equipment and further adapt things for people. That's pretty cool. Um, so like what, I guess it's sort of a, kind of a difficult question to answer, but you know, so what do we, what do we do? Like, what do you need from, I guess the, the medical community as far as like, you know, from either like your MD colleagues or like other therapists, like what, what kind of things would you think would help make clients reaching you easier? Like what kind of things would ideally would you like to see? Kind of like a big kind of grant ideal question, but. And I mean, in an ideal world, right? Like physicians, uh, physiatrists in particular, when those folks come are at that point where they're out of rehab, but maybe in outpatient care saying like, hey, you know what a next good step would be for you? Um, getting involved in functional fitness. Um, and I'd love to say referral directly to me because if I could, I would literally help every stroke and brain injury survivor that I could. Um, but you know, I, I think what is still lacking kind of dragging behind that we know is sort of that intersection of medicine and fitness and what we know. And I think what part of the CrossFit health is sort of seeking to do is kind of bring those worlds together. So I think finding ways to say that, like, there's a lot of opportunity there for our survivors for rehabilitation, um, across the board. Yeah, absolutely. Another thing I just want to mention too, is I think a lot of people, when, uh, um, you know, a client comes into the gym and starts mentioning that they have, uh, you know, this chronic health problem or some issue, it kind of makes the, the coaches a little bit afraid. You know, they think like, oh, because this person had a stroke now, I don't know, you know, what they should be doing. And I feel uncomfortable when the reality is these are stable chronic conditions that like a lot of these people, you know, they can get in and there's no real risk to them exercising. And I think, you know, medically us just making that clear and, and, you know, more clear that, okay, just because somebody's had a stroke in the past doesn't mean that they cannot exercise, right? There's no contraindication there, things like right. that. Right, for sure. Yeah. And I think, I think even the survivors themselves don't always know that, you know, I find that people that I treat one-on-one -on -one, either in the gym or out, there's so many questions when people get out of rehabilitative care, they, they often don't know who to go to for what they don't really they uh, people often tell me they feel really cast adrift once they're out of sort of general rehab and they don't know what position they need for what thing and and who says i can or can't do this and so i think in general there needs to be better support for um, brain injury survivors and, and our, those with neurological conditions because they're dealing with so much and a lot of people just feel lost i once said to someone no one's quarterbacking your care after you leave and they were like well you're the only quarterback we have um and I just think there are a lot, not a lot of people know a lot of that, the stuff that you just know by being in the medical field. Um, so I think finding ways to help survivors liaise with a, a range of services is, is really important. Yeah, they don't even, they don't necessarily know what we do as physiatrists within the medical field either. Yeah, so. I agree with that. That is true. <laughs> that happens I, love, I love you guys, but a lot of people I know. Don't know we exist or don't know what we do. So it's a fairly common <laughs> yeah, thing. Same, same uh, over here. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah. So what you described before is sort of like part of the reason I, I became a physiatrist is I found physiatry and CrossFit kind of at the same time. So I see how, how well the two sort of play together. 
um, and how well they can work together if that connection is made. Um, so, you know, trying to go through like a big health system to do it can be kind of cumbersome. So then, you know, trying to set up these like kind of back channels, these like CrossFit adjacent healthcare networks um, right now is, you know, what I've been trying to do, but, you know, have, do you have any kind of like, in general, like, how do you get your patients now? Is it mostly like now through like word of mouth or do you like see patients in the hospital and say, Hey, like, I'm also doing this. For, for the most part, it's been a lot of outreach. I mean, I've spoken on a lot of survivor groups, stroke survivors group, aneurysm survivor group. Um, I, I kind of just reach out to various physicians, PM&R docs that I know both um, at Mass General and Spalding. And, and I get, I've gotten lucky that people have sort of passed the message along. Um, I had my first actual referral from a physician recently, and that felt like a really big win. Um, but mostly it's been word of mouth. And honestly, my Instagram account, I think, has been the most powerful tool because I think it's hard for people to conceptualize without seeing it. Um, so I've taken to posting a lot of videos of clients and then they just, people share them. And I think that helps folks not only, um, in the medical field, but also survivors see like, oh yeah, this is possible. And this is possible for me or for someone I know. Um, but it's a lot of just talking about it all of the time and trying to sell, you know, say, Hey, like, this is so awesome. Um, so I guess, I don't know if that answers your question, but mostly me talking a big game because I could talk about it for hours. So with that being said, where can people find more information about this? Well, I'll put your Instagram in the show notes, right? What is your, what is it? Awesome. It's fit to function recovery. All right, guys, I'll put that in the show notes to so check it out. Awesome. And the website is the same. It's fit to function recovery.com. But the Instagram is really, I think the, what demonstrates most what we do. And it lets people really see different ranges of survivors doing functional fitness and, and things that I think look fun. Awesome. So any other, any other things you wanted to say before we sign off here? Um, I, I feel like that, you know, covers it. I mean, I, you know, I really, like I said, I appreciate you guys having me on and like helping me kind of just be a part of the platform. I love Amy that it's more that you're trying to kind of grow and combine more groups in both like functional fitness and, and rehabilitation and anything more that I can be a part of, I would love to. And I always tell people, if you're not sure, like what we're talking about, just go into a CrossFit gym and give it a try. Oh yeah. And also check out for those uh, physiatry colleagues listening, um, including you, Matt, um, we're, we're going to have an online session at AAPMNR with um, Jenna, with Alec and Logan from the ATA, and a couple other people. So that should be pretty cool. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much. Fit to function recovery on Instagram. Check it out, guys. Get involved. Reach out to Amy or I. Um, if you want more information, we'll point you in the right direction. Awesome. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you.